Thanks for listening to a teaching from Forerunner Church in Calgary, Alberta. For more information, check out forerunnerchurch.ca. So I want to start off with by talking about a recent anniversary getaway with my lovely wife, Val, that we took this last weekend. By the way, today, Val and I have been married 34 years. This is our wedding anniversary today. And we are thrilled we get to spend it with you. I mean, really, we are. We are pleased. We did get a getaway ahead of time. We did get away for four nights in Invermere. And I wanted to show a few pictures of that. And and the reason I'll I'll just preface it by saying, one of the things we did a lot in Invermere is we did a lot of walking every day. I think the one day it was over 9K or 10K or, yeah, a couple days, something like that. So, you know, when you're walking, that takes a while. When you're bike riding, like we've been doing a lot this summer, that doesn't take so long. But when you're walking, it was was decent. So we spent a lot of time walking. So I'll show you a few pictures here. yeah, there's the two of us just in the beautiful scenery, right? Got to show some of that. I don't know. Do I need to be out of the way? Should I move? Or it's on the, should I go this way? Okay, I'm just trying to figure this out. All right. So there's Val walking. She was walking ahead of me. I let her, yeah. And then we walked a lot of different places. You've got your asphalt path. You've got the railway tracks. You've got the boardwalk. <laughs> you've got the rocks by the lake, right? I mean, a lot of different terrain here. And there's a nice view too, right? Val's sitting on the deck, and you can see the lake in the background. And then a couple more pics. This is the view we had. Wow, isn't that nice? That's from the deck. And then one more. I think there's one more. Maybe that's it. No, that's it. Okay, so a few pictures. And you're like, why are you showing pictures of you walking? Well, because I want to talk about that today. And it, it just kind of fit perfectly with, uh, with what we were doing. And so here's what happens if, you know, if you spent time walking with someone. I mean, it's good for our overall physical well-being to walk, right? It's good to exercise. It's good to get those calories burned off. And also, together, Val and I, we're seeing some new sights, right? We were, we were enjoying that together. We were walking through all this beautiful terrain you can see and just enjoying God's majesty. We were also able to talk. You know, when you walk, you usually talk, at least periodically, right? Unless you're angry, but we weren't angry. We were happy. So we were walking, we were talking here and there. We'd point out, you know, certain things that we'd see, or there'd be some distraction would come up, and or we're talking about our lives, or who knows? It was just fun, right? So walking, talking, fellowshipping, you get the picture. Now, as much as Val and I enjoy that, God enjoys that just as much, even more. And that is a picture of how he wants us to journey with him. He wants our journey with him, our relationship with him to be a walk. really does. I want to show you a couple people in the Bible who really epitomize that and the qualities of their life that I believe he wants us to have. And and my goal for this message would be by the end, you'd go, yeah, I, I get it. I see it. I see a picture of what it could be like for me. Maybe, maybe there's a next level. Maybe I can go deeper in my relationship with God. Maybe this could be more enjoyable than it's ever been. That would be my goal. And maybe there's some spark to that today. So I want to read you the text for this series. It's in Matthew 11. And what we've been doing is we're reading it out of what's called the message paraphrase. So a translation is a literal translation, right? Word for word, this is from the Greek and Hebrew. A paraphrase is more of a 
this is what it means idea. It's not necessarily word for word. It's more of an, uh, somebody writing it saying, this is what I believe this means. Okay, so this is a paraphrase. It's still pretty accurate if you were to compare it with other translations. So here's what it says, Matthew 11. It says, are you tired, worn out? You know, I bet if we ask that question in this season, there'd be a lot of people would say, absolutely, I'm tired. I'm tired of COVID-19. I'm tired of all this. By the way, I want to give you kudos today for sitting here wearing a mask, being in church. I just want to say that I believe God is pleased. Val and I were talking about this last night. We were just, sorry, emotional. We were talking about this last night, and we were talking about how we sensed that it meant something to God. I just want to reiterate again that when we come to church and we gather as believers, it's not just about us. In fact, it's actually about him, right? We're worshiping him. We sing those songs. It's for him. When we come together, it's for him. And he calls us to come together. There's something, a blessing and unity in coming together. And so I believe he's pleased. Again, I just want to say that. When he sees us sitting here wearing these weird masks going, this is really unusual. But we're here because we want to honor you, God. We want to be with you. I just, I just feel his pleasure. I just want to say that again to you. So are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Religion is just man's thoughts, man's ideas about what's right and wrong. It's not... It's not actually God's way. Religion in itself is very restricted. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. How many people like that? Walk with me and work with me. Sounds like there would be some peace to that. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's why this series is called Rhythms of Grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many people like the idea of living freely and lightly? Yeah, I like that rather than living in bondage and heavy. I don't want to live that way. I want to live freely and lightly. So my prayer for all of you today would be as we look at walking with God as a rhythm of grace today, you would leave here feeling more free and light. You would leave here more hopeful about your relationship with God and that God would take you even deeper. So I, I want to look at two biblical characters who were in particular commended for being good walkers with God. The first one is a man named Enoch. Enoch. Now these guys lived a long time ago, right? Centuries ago. Millennia ago, all right? A long time ago. And they're in the early days before the worldwide flood before the big Noah and the ark and all that. They lived in those days. And here's what it says in Genesis 5. And people lived longer then. When you see these numbers, it's like, holy smokes, really? When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Anybody heard of Methuselah? It's funny we don't see that name out there. Nobody's naming their child Methuselah. This is my son Methuselah. I'm anticipating he'll live a very long time. No, we don't use those names, but Methuselah... He lived 969 years. He's the longest living human being based on scripture. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. He's not. It's true. What does 365, is there something else that's 365 that you can think of right away? It's a year. It's the days in a year. Interesting. He lived 365 years. There's 365 days in a year. Enoch walked faithfully to God. Then he was no more because God took him away. 
He's one of the few people in scripture, another one is Elijah, who just were taken. They never died. The Bible says he never died. He was just taken directly to heaven. Wow, that's amazing that that would happen. Here's what Hebrews 11 says about him. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience death, just like Richie said. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, why was he taken away? Why was this man special? He was commended as one who pleased God. Wow. God loved him so much. He was so special that for whatever reason, God chose to highlight him. I think in some ways, here's a thought I have, that the reason maybe God punctuated his life and took him away, it might be kind of like a big asterisk, a big punctuation mark. Like, take a look at this guy. What he did, how he lived is so significant to me that I literally wanted him in heaven. I literally took him out of the earth. And um, I want to punctuate that that's what pleases me, the way he walked with me. And 365 years, 365 days, to me it speaks of constant, daily, all the time, right? Enoch was somebody that walked with God all the time, his whole life. It's an amazing picture. Young's literal translation says Enoch walked habitually with God. It was like a habit. It was just like the way he lived. It was intuitive. Don't you like it when something becomes intuitive? You don't have to think about it anymore. Like something good, not something bad. I don't like bad habits. Like, oh, darn, I did that again. No, I like good habits where it's like, oh, wow, I did that without even thinking about it. I was nice to my wife and didn't have to be told. You know, whatever it might be. Did I say that out loud? Anyway, that's... What we want, though, good habits. We want intuitive things that become part of our life. And so Enoch was that way about walking with God. And so Enoch's great-grandson is another one we want to look at, and that's Noah. Noah Noah is Enoch's great-grandson. Now, remember, they lived hundreds of years, so (laughs) it's hundreds of years later, but it's his great-grandson. Now, Noah is also famous because, of course, he's the one who God called to build the ark so that mankind could be saved. So he had a pretty significant role as well. So what kind of was before him being chosen to build the ark? I mean, why did God choose Noah? Well, it's pretty clear in Scripture. Look at this. Genesis 6, 9 says this about him. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people at his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Same picture. He was righteous, which meant he did right things. He had a right heart toward God. He was blameless. We'll look at what that means in a minute. And he walked faithfully with God. And so both Enoch, who God literally took away, and Noah, who God chose to save mankind and build an ark, the big thing that God looked at is they both walked faithfully with him. Do you think maybe walking faithfully with God is kind of important? It is. It's super important. So these men were righteous, blameless. They walked faithfully. I want to look briefly at what blameless means. Because if we look at blameless, we might think it means perfect. And if it means perfect, how many people are blameless? Nobody, right? (laughs) I'm not blameless. Um, But it it doesn't mean perfect. You know what it means? It means innocent, guiltless, above reproach, beyond criticism, above suspicion. You know what blameless means? It means living a life that's visible to others that everyone could applaud and say, what he's doing is right. The way he talks is right. The way he lives, the way she lives, that's, 
that's a good example. That's what blameless means. Now, people that were blameless, Noah, Enoch, um, they weren't perfect. We know that because there's a nasty incident with Noah where he got drunk. It's in the Bible, amazingly. We won't talk about it, but it's not, it's not a really good moment. I'm sure Noah wished they didn't put it in the Bible. It's an embarrassing moment. So Noah had his moments, but he was blameless in the sense that he walked right. He desired to do what God wanted him to do, and he had a sincere faith. That's what God's talking about when it comes to being blameless. And so Noah, Enoch, they were blameless. They were righteous. Now, we might think, okay, but they didn't have to live in our day. These guys, they, they lived like millennia ago. They lived thousands of years ago. It's, it's way worse today than in their day. Way worse. Like what I have to deal with, what we have to deal with, they don't understand. Um, maybe they do. <laughs> Can I read you what their day was like? Let me read to you. It says this about the days of Noah, which Enoch lived before him, but it would have been similar. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become, and every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Wow, isn't that awful? God looked down and said, every thought, every person, everything is evil. And it says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. One version said, his heart was pained. He just felt sad that he'd made these people who weren't serving him, who didn't love him, who were going their own way. And he just thought. And so he said, basically, and it's not on the screen, but he's going to cause a flood that would wipe out all animals, all people, kind of a restart. Well, get rid of all of them, really. But verse 8 says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I want to say something to you. I'm really glad Noah found favor. Because if he hadn't, we might not be here. I mean, just... Looking at this, we might not be here. Noah found favor. God looked down on the earth and went, I don't see anything good here. I'm distressed. This is a bad, I wish I had made people. Oh, wait a minute. There's one guy shining out. Oh, look at his life. Well, I can't wipe him out. He's too good. He's too faithful. He's walking with me. He loves me. You know, I'm going to use him as an instrument to save many others. I'm actually going to use his life. And that's what he did. Noah found favor. So the key for both of them, again, is that they were faithful to walk with God. They, in our day and age, so, so how many people can see that they knew a thing or two about evil days? They knew a thing or two about a world that was wrong. So when we look at our world, you know, it's true, right? We have a world where there's a lot of evil. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to turn off the news. You watch too much news? My wife's glad when I do. Because I can be a news junkie, just watching too much news all the time. Well, sometimes it's so depressing to see the bad things that everybody's doing. We need some good news. You know, we're in a, in a time where there's, 2 Timothy talks about people being lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We live in that time. Or Philippians 2 says that we need to be blameless and harmless children of God in a crooked and perverse generation where we can shine as lights in the world. The good news about dark times and bad moments is that God's people can shine brighter. You know, right now we're in a tough moment, aren't we? Do you feel it's a little tough in our world? I mean, I look around, there's so much always going on. You don't even know what's going to happen every day. I mean, you've got this pandemic and then you've got other things politically and there's problems in the world and it's like, oh my goodness. And we can despair. Listen, we can despair and say, this is terrible. I wish it was simpler days. Or we can go, you know, 
These are dark days. But these are days when God's people could shine forth and be bright. These are days when our lives could shine, where our walk with Jesus could shine to the people at work, could shine to the people in our schools, could shine to the people in our neighborhood. And they'd say, these guys, there's a hope in them. There's something different. When everyone else is moaning and groaning and struggling, there's life here. What is it that they have? Do you see what I mean? And that's why Noah and Enoch stood out so much. They were in really dark days. But they shone in those dark days. They didn't let the dark days pull them down. They instead were walking with God. And because of it, they were the light of God was shining from their lives. See, I just see a picture of what God has for us. I want to encourage you today. I feel like God wants to pour in faith into your hearts today. I feel like he wants to lift your eyes today from wherever you're at right now. He wants to lift you and say, look, things can be dark. Things are difficult, but there is more. And I want to meet you. And I want to do something deep in these times. I want to infuse new life into you. I want to take away the cynicism. I want to take away the discouragement. And I want to fill you again with my spirit. Some of you need that. And today God says to you, I want to pour out my spirit on you even while you sit here today. I'm preaching now. Feels better than on video. Got to be a... To be honest, I love these times because I feel his spirit and he loves you and he wants to do something fresh in you as you walk with him. You know, I like what Micah 6 8 says, it gives us a further glimpse about God's desire. Listen to this this is simple, simple yet complicated. He has shown you, O mortal, that's us, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, so do the right thing, be blameless. To love mercy, be people of mercy towards others, and to walk humbly with your God. It's almost like with Micah, he's saying here, can I just sum it up in a very simple phrase what it means to follow God? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. By his grace. All of this is by his grace. And I feel like the Bible's saying, look, if you do this, then I'm going to do something through you. You know, let's go back to the original picture of walking with God that I talked about Val and I walking on a recent time in uh, Invermere. So let's think about it relative to us walking with him, with God spiritually. Let's think about it for a minute. We were in proximity. Val and I were in proximity. There was a closeness as we walked. We laughed. We talked. We listened to each other. We shared our hearts. Do you realize that that's what God wants for you and I with him? Do you realize that he wants to share his heart? He wants us to enjoy him. Our attention was focused on each other to the exclusion of almost everything else. There was, a, there was a focus there. We noticed the beauty, like I said earlier. We shared that together. We were in harmony and we had peaceful camaraderie. See, God wants that with us. He wants to do that in our lives he wants to take us into that place where we can walk with him like that. You know, I remember when I was in Bible school, um, I was really lonely because my girlfriend wasn't there. I mean, among other things, but I had other people that weren't there. But I, was, I had a girlfriend who was going to another Bible college in Canada. I was in the States, 16 months overall separated from each other during that time. And we didn't have internet. We didn't have FaceTime. We had long-distance phone calls that cost a million dollars almost. Val's dad paid for a lot of that. God bless him. Anyway, but we, we, didn't, we didn't have, you know, write a letter. Two weeks later, she gets it. That kind of thing. Some of you are like, I can't believe this. 
younger generation. You mean you couldn't FaceTime or message? No, none of that. So it was, you need to feel bad for me now. You need to feel really sorry for me. But my point is, I, one of the things, I look back at it and I think, well, what did that do in my life? What was the fruit of that in my life? You know what the fruit was? As a young man who had his girlfriend, future wife somewhere else, I needed a press into God. I couldn't, you know, I saw guys that had their girlfriend there at school and, you know, they had all that. I didn't have that. And so I had to really press in and I would do a lot of walks with God. I remember we, we had to get these PE points. I'd walk Rocky Butte and I would treat it like I was walking with God. I would do prayer walking and I would talk to God like he was beside me. I would just talk to him like my friend. And I remember it was a powerful time for me to go deep. Sometimes when we don't have the props around us, It'll either push us away from God or it'll push us into him. And that's what it did for me. I, did, I just, I could either be lonely, isolated, or I could press into God and spend more time. And I spent way more time, probably the most time my whole life, journaling, listening, walking, praying. Why? Because I needed him. And I'm thankful for that. Even as hard as it was, I'm thankful I needed to do that. See, listen, here's a thought for you right now. You might feel isolated and and separated from other people because of this season. I'm betting you do in some way, right? I mean, we have now some freedom to connect with others, but still, we're not seeing people like we used to. And that can be an aggravation, right? Maybe there's some people you don't want to see. You know, that's okay. But, but uh, that can be an aggravation overall. Well, maybe turn the aggravation into pushing into God. Maybe this is a moment to go deeper. Maybe this is a moment to hear from him more and develop that close relationship. And you say, well, Ian, I've never felt that way about God. I've never had that kind of relationship. Well, maybe this is the time he wants to develop it. Maybe this is the time he wants to break the barriers down. He wants you to actually know him and know his heart and hear from him. You know, A.W. Tozer said that the goal of every Christian should be to live in a state of unbroken worship. Wow, like that's lofty. State of unbroken worship. How could I do that? Does that mean like I walk around the streets all day with my hands in the air singing? No, that would be weird, right? Like no, nobody would be able to respond to that. It means the way you live and I live is to be a walk and a journey where God is exemplified, right? And it's a, it's a process. So I want to look at, I want to look at a, a, a couple things here and uh, consider and the first point I want to look at is dealing with distractions. You know, when Val and I were walking, what if I went on a walk with her and I took a book, right? Think about it for a minute. We're walking along like I showed you, and I pull out a book, and I open it up, and I start reading the book as I walk. And I'm not talking. Yeah. Val would hate me. I mean, maybe that's strong. She wouldn't like that. She would be offended because she's like, why? He's with me right now. And he's reading a book. Now, if she was reading a book and I were reading a book, we could be okay. Like, we've done that before. Not walking, but sitting. But uh, it's kind of weird walking and reading a book. But anyway, but or I could, what if I pulled my phone out and started streaming a show? And watching a show, ha, huh, that's funny, as I walk with Val. Probably not the best thing for my anniversary weekend, right? Or what if I brought someone else along, started talking to them, and ignored Val? Again, not very good. Yeah, see what's going to happen there. My point is, the first thing we need to look at is if we want to walk with God, there's an exclusivity to the walk. There's a focus to the walk. There's a separateness. And, and what I want to give you is, is this three quick points. They spell an acronym. 
the acronym is RAW. And the reason it's RAW is that RAW is like organic, natural, like raw sugar. And so God wants our walk with him to be natural, to be an unforced rhythm of grace. What I want to show you is not meant to be hard and fast, got to be this way, this is the three steps. No, these are some thoughts to keep in mind, all right? The first one is remove distractions and other priorities. I don't want to mix metaphors too much, but I'm going to briefly, okay? I'm going to give you another story to fit with this walking story. And the story is in the Bible. It's in Luke 14, and here's what it is. It's a picture of Jesus. A parable is when Jesus wants to give truth to his disciples, and he uses a story to illustrate the truth. So the, the parable that he gives is of a banquet. There's, a, there's a, a, an owner a certain man who's preparing a great banquet and he's inviting many people to be his guests. And I imagine it's a wonderful banquet that anyone would want to be part of if they really knew what it was. So he sends his servant to tell them, come for everything's now ready, right? So these people have been invited. Now the servant goes and says, hey, the banquet's ready. Come on with me. It's time to go. But here's what happens. They all begin to make excuses. How many people love excuses from your kids? Anybody? Love excuses. <laughs> we don't generally like excuses, right? So, or not just kids. In our own lives, we make excuses. Well, they, they begin to make excuses. So the first one says, I've just bought a field and I need to go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, the field probably symbolizes materialism or his wealth or, you know, the possessions he has. He says, I just bought a field. I got to go see it. Sorry, I can't count. Another one says, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Now, in our culture, you know, if I looked around, how many of you have five yoke of oxen? Nobody, right? I mean, it's not something we do. But I think it refers to his business, his career, right? This is his occupation. This is, this is his job. This is his livelihood. Hey, listen, I'd love to come to this great banquet right now. But I, got, I just bought some oxen, and I mean, I got to try them out. I got to make sure they're good because I only got a 30-day warranty, and I got to take them back. So I got to try them out. Uh, sorry, I can't come. And then the third one says, I just got married, so I can't come. And that would, would, would imply a relational focus, their spouse, family, friends, right? It would be like that. So the servant comes back and says to the master, hey, I went and saw these guys. They were invited, and they've given me all these excuses. It says he got angry. Wow, like Jesus says this, right? He gets angry. And it's like, well, you know, you, you think about the married one. I mean, I was thinking through these excuses, right? The, the one, I, I just got married. I want to care for my wife. That seems reasonable to me, right? So what's Jesus saying here? I don't think he's against people taking care of their wives or, or, or having a good marriage. I don't think he's against us having a job. I don't think he's against us doing the things we need to do. I don't think he's saying that. But here's what happens. He, he tells them to go out and get other people to fill the house, which they do eventually. But then Jesus says this in verse 25. Listen to this. This is a disturbing thing that he says. He goes, large crowds are traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Wow, so he says this right after he shares the parable. So it's like he's joining the two together. I mean, in, in the parable, he's really upset. The, the person putting the banquet's upset with the excuses. 
And then Jesus says, oh, by the way, this is the attitude you need to have to follow me. Now, Jesus is not literally telling us we need to hate our brother and sister and all that. He's not saying that. Often what Jesus would do is he would give like contrasts to show you how much the importance was of that focus. So he's saying here, listen, I'm not telling you you need to hate all these people, but your love for me in comparison needs to be like this. Wow, Jesus, that's pretty exclusive. Like you're telling me that compared to my family, compared to my job, compared to everything else in my life, like you need to be up here in my focus and attention, like exclusive. That's what you're telling me. And he goes, yes, that's what I'm saying. And you need to pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, you need to be willing to die with me. You think, this is not a fun message you're preaching right now. You know, take it up with Jesus. This is what he said, right? But he's saying, listen, I, I, I'm going to move on from this, but he's saying that this is important. That, that relationship with me, the banquet, I look at the banquet being uh, our relationship with him, but also our relationship with others. Because you think about the banquet. At the banquet, they would be enjoying, you know, the person putting on the banquet, which we would think would be God, right? But then there's all the other guests, and they're meant to enjoy them too. So it's not just Jesus and me. It's Jesus and me and his family, right? And so that's why we have church. That's why we gather. Because it means something to God. I mean, God's saying, come to my banquet. Come, come join together with me and with my family. And let's celebrate. And I, I, feel, I feel like sometimes for all of us, we hit these excuses though. Don't we? I have. Right? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, my job. Yeah, but, you know, my relationships. Yeah, but I can't obey you in that, God, because this, this, and this. And all I'm saying is if we want to walk with Jesus, if we want to have that exclusive, intimate walk, I think he just says, hey, I don't want me plus anything. It needs to be me exclusively, right? And I'll show you how to do these other things. I'll show you how to walk with me, take care of your job, take care of your wife, take care of these things, because that's important to me. But I need to be number one. I'm the hub in the wheel, right? You, you ever heard that? The whole spoke thing, hub and spokes. The, the hub of the wheel is God, and then out of that is everything else. I think that's what he's saying here. So the first thing is we need to remove distractions and other priorities. Let me just ask you a quick question on that. Are there any distractions or other priorities right now in your life that are stopping you from that kind of walk with Jesus? That's just something to think about. Secondly, we need to agree with God's plan for our walk with him. We need to agree with his plan. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? And the answer is no, they can't. And so... If you and I want to walk with God, there's an aspect where we need to accept his plan for us. Say, God, I'm choosing to follow your plan for my life. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's inconvenient to me, even when I find it challenging, I want to agree with you. I'm choosing to agree with you because I want to walk with you. I want to know you. Ephesians 2 says that all of us who don't know Jesus, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses we once walked in them following the course of the world but here's what Colossians 3 says here's what it says put to death what is earthly in you 
sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Do not lie to one another and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Here's what the Bible is encouraging us. Here's what Jesus is encouraging us to do. He's saying, look, I have a new plan for you. I have a new path for you. And every day as you walk with me, I want to change you. You know, I look back over 34 years with Val. And our relationship is different than when we started walking together 34 years ago. Right? We've grown a lot. And we've interacted in our lives. We had to walk through things. I look at the attitudes that have shifted. I look at the heart things that we've, you know, iron sharpens iron. And marriage can be a development tool, right, in our lives. And I thank God for my wife. Her voice in the Holy Spirit's life uh, voice sound very similar often, I'm, I must admit. <laughs> She's used by God, and, I, and I, it's not sarcastic, I mean it. She's used by God to speak tr- truth into my life. But the thing is, God has continued to change us as we walk with him. And, and part of this walk is that we're willing that we want to agree with God's plan. God, ultimately, I want to get to your destination for me. I want to be a man or a woman of God who loves others, who loves well. And so, Lord, I just say yes to you. Do whatever you need to do in me. And the third thing is, if we're going to walk with God, we need to walk in the Spirit. You know, in the New Testament, walking with God is referred to walking in the Spirit. I want to encourage you with something. As believers, we cannot minimize the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can I encourage you with that? We need to welcome Him all the time. And, and I, I want to urge you to take time every day to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, to invite him to come and fill you afresh, to spend time listening to God and even quieting yourself. You know, I don't know about you, but I find sometimes I'm just a flurry of activity. I am. I'm busy. And that's how I, that's me. But I need to slow down and I need to take time to let the Holy Spirit affect me. You know, this morning I stood in the prayer room there and I just stood for a moment and I just paused and slowed down. You know, Sundays, lots going on. I mean, we're here to set up and there's stuff happening that way and it's different days. And then, and then um, you know, I'm, I've got this on my mind and I've gone over it and I want to make sure I say it right and don't say dumb stuff. And, you know, really, honestly, I still do say dumb stuff at times, but I don't want to. But I want to do well. And so I can be a little uptight, okay? So I stood there this morning and I, and I just paused. And I said, Holy Spirit, would you come and just fill me again? And would you take this home? Because if you don't do anything with this, this is just words on a page. I've done my best. But Holy Spirit, would you come now and fill me for this task and speak to me? You know, I sensed him. I sense him now as I say it. I sensed him come. You know, that in itself is a simple thing you and I can do throughout the day. You know, you're in that business situation. You're in that struggle in your job. You're dealing with something. Maybe just pause for a moment before you say that thing or you push in further. Maybe just take a minute and do what I did and say, you know, Holy Spirit, I'm over my head right now and I don't know what to do here. Would you just come with your peace right now?
would you just come with your strength right now and fill me and speak to me so I can function? I mean, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? But how many times do we forget that? How many times do we forget that we have a comforter with us, we have the presence of God with us, and we can depend on him? I think, you know, if I could just say this, I think some of you here, the Holy Spirit would say to you today that he wants you to just come to him. That he wants this walking thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's like, what's the next step in my walk? What, what, what is God calling me this morning after this service that is the next step for me? That is that next deeper step in my walk. What is it? And then just do it. But make sure you invite him in the walk. Make sure that you're practicing having his presence in your life. Because he wants to walk with you. This isn't about a bunch of do's and don'ts. When I share this with you, this isn't like, oh, I got to go away and do these things and be blameless and I got to work harder. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying it's a posture of the heart. It's presenting ourselves to God. You know, in Acts 4.13, Peter and John had been arrested for preaching and they were brought before the authorities. And, and the, peop- the authorities were amazed at the boldness that Peter and John had. And they could see they were ordinary men. They're like, these guys are not theologians. They are not trained in the best, under the best rabbi, although they're trained under Jesus. But in their eyes, they didn't see that. And they, they said they're ordinary men, no special training in the scriptures. But what did they recognize about them? They recognized that they'd been with Jesus. Now, let me just say something. I think, What separates you and I? Remember I talked about light shining out of the darkness? I think what separates you and I is being with Jesus. I remember when this really started happening in my life. And I'll tell you this story and then we're done. I remember as a teenager, insecure, timid. I remember when God started calling me to walk with him. That's what it was. It was an invitation from the Father, Ian, walk with me. And I'm so thankful I started walking. And my hunger grew, and I remember I came down, and at times I think about this. I think about my innocent passion to know Jesus. I'd come home and spend two hours in my basement praying, reading the Word every day. I just thought that was normal for a 16-year-old to do that. But I was hungry for God. And I remember I started to glow in my life. People could see it. I remember I met a guy, I probably told this story before, but I met a guy in the mall who hadn't seen me like in a year, a year and a half. And he remembered the timid Ian, the guy who was insecure, who barely said a peep. And then he sees me and I'm like bold. I'm like joyful. There's like an energy coming forth. And he goes, what happened to you? He was unsafe. He's like, what happened to you? And I said, well, I've been spending time with God, hanging out with Jesus right? He goes, you're different. You're totally different. Yeah, because I have the living Christ in me. I have the Spirit of God in me. See, this isn't about just doing better, folks. This isn't just about a bunch of rules. We got to do better. This is an encounter and a relationship with the Holy Spirit and experiencing the power of God in our lives. And we need Him every day. And can I encourage you? He wants to pour out His Spirit on you every day. And it's not that hard, but it's posture. 
It's exclusivity. It's getting rid of the idols. It's getting rid of the other things that take up your time. I, I look at my life sometimes and I go, Ian, you don't give the time you used to give to being with the Lord. Why don't you? And, and it's not condemnation, but I do feel challenged. Think of you as a young man and now you're so busy doing things for God that you've forgotten him at times. Anybody there at times? And God's like, hey, I want to walk with you again. Hey, where'd you go? Hey, why are you reading a book while I want to walk with you? Why are you streaming that? I want to walk with you. I want to spend time with you. Just turn that off. I want, to, I want you to hear me. Get out your journal again. You know, the other night, I just was thinking I had free time, which is amazing. And I felt like I've got time here. What should I do? And the Holy Spirit said, you know, I want you to turn off your TV. And I want you to pull out your journal. And I want you to listen to me. I have some things to tell you. Whoa, okay. You know, and I did. And he told me stuff. I think sometimes we're just not available. I don't feel like this is a deep message. I don't feel like this is anything new. But I think it's an invitation. And I think in this season that we are in right now, the Holy Spirit says, don't get distracted. Don't get pulled off here and there by everything and all the theories and all the stuff that could just mess with your head. Stay simple, stay close, stay with me, walk with me. Remove distractions and other priorities that aren't right. What are they? I'd leave you with that today. Agree with your, God's plans for you. Say, yes, Lord, I want your plans for my life, whatever that means. And lastly, walk in the Spirit. Practice the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I encourage you with something. If, if you have never been prayed for to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, you need it. I need it. We believe firmly in that. You get saved and God wants to baptize you with his Holy Spirit. And he wants to give you a prayer language that you can use. Tongues. He wants to use that. Can I lovingly encourage you? Hey, I might as well. You know, I've been let out of the, the basement. So I might as well say whatever I can right now. I encourage you, listen, if you're a tongue talker and you've been given that and you have that, use it. And use it more than ever. Seriously. It's a gift for you. It's a gift from God. And if, if that's something you've struggled to get and you've said, I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever get it. Maybe it's not for me. I'd love to chat with you about that. Because I believe God has that for you. I believe God has power for you. Can you stand with me? We're going to pray right now. I just wonder if you could just close your eyes with me today and and wrap this up. Thanks for the patience of those online watching. And even for you online, I'm just praying that God will touch you, that you'll sense something today, that you'll have an encounter with him. So can we just close our eyes right now? I think it's important to consider what we've heard. And how does it relate to me right now? So I want to ask you, just as you are listening in quiet, what's God saying today to you? What's the takeaway? Maybe it's one thing. Maybe it's two things. What's he saying to you? What's he saying? Hmm. I sense for somebody here, the Lord says, maybe it's a few people, but I sense for someone in particular, the Lord says, I miss you. I miss you. It's not an indictment. It's not like he's angry at you. It's just like, Someone who loves you so much and they just miss hanging with you. They miss hearing your heart. 
I just feel like for somebody, you need to know that. He misses you. And he's just beckoning you to come back. Come back to the banquet. Come on. Come back. I want to I bless you. I feel for someone else here that there's a tug of war going on in your life right now. And it's to do actually with an idol. It's to do with something that has taken preeminence. And you know it. You actually know it. But uh, you're struggling. And part of the question you have is, is it worth, is it really worth fully following Jesus? Is it worth giving this up? And you have doubts. There's a doubt in you that goes, I don't know, maybe it's not really worth it. But here's what I sense from the Holy Spirit. Whoever this is, I feel like Holy Spirit says to you, it's worth it. And if you, and I almost feel like that's literally the question you've been asking recently. And I feel like the Holy Spirit says, it's worth it. You need to trust me. If you could see what I have for you, if you could see what's going to happen when you make this choice and you make this decision to wholeheartedly follow me, you would do it in a heartbeat because it is the way to life for you. Somebody needs to hear this. I just want to encourage you right now, make the right choice. God's calling you today. I feel like someone else here, you're really struggling with fear. And I, and I know there are probably a number of people, but I, I, here's what I sense the Holy Spirit say to you. He says, this season has ramped up the fear in your life. This season, this COVID season has pushed the buttons of fear. So much so that you just say, God, take away this season. Please let it end. I don't want to feel this way anymore. But here's what I feel Holy Spirit says to you. He says, I will use this to bring you freedom if you will come to me. Don't run away. You know, I feel that this person, often when you feel afraid, you run away from God. You hide from him. And the Lord says, you can trust me on this. I want to help you with this fear. Face it. Face it with me. Come to me. Let me put faith in you. Let me put boldness in you. Let me put courage in you. Spend time with me. I'm going to help you deal with this fear. Don't run from it. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to know that if you turn away and you try to just save yourself and just preserve yourself, you're not going to gain the freedom you really want. It's almost like you got to bite the bullet, face this. I, I feel like you should get others involved to help you. There's, there's an element of honesty. There's an element of bringing others in to help you pray and stand with you. But I really believe the Lord says, if you will turn into this, turn into it, he'll walk with you. I just see him walking right beside you saying, you're not alone. You're not alone. I see him putting his arm around you, comforting you, healing you. And, and chains of fear that have bound you for years will finally break. I see it. <sighs> you know, just heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to ask anyone who is stirred by any of those words to put your hand up because I want to pray for you. I just feel like if, if any of this spoke to you, I see hands. I see hands. I see hands. I'm going to pray right now because that's a word to you. And that means that there's an anointing right now for you. So, Father, right now, whatever you're doing, where the hands are raised, I speak grace by the Holy Spirit right now. I speak strength in Jesus' name. 
If it's to deal with fear, I speak boldness and confidence in the Holy Spirit to face that. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing that breaks the yoke that is coming in Jesus' name. Lord, if it's something else that I just shared, which I can't remember, but I pray that you would right now bring breakthrough and release. I pray for new mindsets. I pray for new perspectives. I pray for an ability to move forward in this season. And Holy Spirit, overall, I pray for a tangible sense of your presence in these people's lives. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and to meet them as they begin a new walk with you, as they begin to press into you and turn into you. Father, I pray for a release of your Holy Spirit in their lives right now. Lord, it is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. We cannot do this without your power. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, right now for each person to empower them, to pour out your grace into them and your new joy and strength for this season. And Father, I thank you that you will do it. You will do it. You are faithful and you will do it. And I bless these people today. Father, I pray this week you continue to speak to us. And I'm going to stand against a couple other things because I feel it. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I stand against the attack of the enemy on minds and spirits in this place during this time. I stand against it. The lies, the intimidation that has come. The desire of the enemy to scatter people, keep them apart, keep them separated. I stand against that in Jesus' name. Father, I pray you would continue to gather us as a people. And I pray that any place where we are separated from you, you would draw us in. And this would be a time of unity with each other and with you. And I declare that in Jesus' name. And Lord, I, again, I want to speak strength and protection over this church. Relationally, physically, spiritually, I thank you that you are for us. And we will shine like stars in these days to our workmates, our neighbors, our family, because we walk with you and we know the light of your face upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give him a clap today. Let's give him a clap today. <laughs> thank you, God. Lord's so good. I have some questions. They'll come up on the screen, I think, uh, as well. Um, things to think about this week. Are there any distractions or parties that are hindering your walk with God? Are you in agreement with his plans for your walk with him? Are there any areas you may need to make adjustments? How might you walk more deliberately in the spirit and allow him to fill you with his presence every day? Stuff to think about, all right? Lord bless you. He is for you. Thank you for coming. We will be back in two weeks. We'll be online next week. Have a great week. If you need prayer, come up. We'll pray for you. Love you. Bless you, Cole. Bye-bye.